Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. The Afterword's our weekly conversation where we get together and talk about what we didn't really get to talk about in the weekend message. We ran out of time, so it's kind of like a continuing conversation, a deeper conversation. Speaking of conversation, the other day uh, I'm here on my South Hills campus and it's right before lunch and a whole bunch of staff are there and we're just kind of hanging out and talking just what's going on in our lives. And if you know anything about my life, the biggest thing going on in my life is that my son, who's a senior in high school, is about to graduate and go off to college. So our lives just kind of revolve right now around the application process and applying and financial aid and all those kinds of things. And and we're very, very preoccupied by that, right? Because it's our son's future. And this is our first kid going off to college, so we don't know what we're doing. And there's a lot of anxiety and stress and fear and those kinds of things. A lot of, lot of work to do there. So I've got a couple friends on staff whose kids um, are a little bit older than ours. Uh, they... They've already, they're a couple of steps ahead of us in this process. And so they're giving some advice. And then I have a coworker whose name is Claire and she was giving some really good advice. She's like, well, here's what my parents did and here's what helped. And have you thought about this? And I know justice and I think this and this, and I'm like, wow, your insight is really salient. And then I realized there's a reason why she knows so much about college. It's because she just graduated. And I realized, wait, how old are you? And then she said, I said, what year were you born? And she told me what year she was born in. It was in the late 90s people, the late 90s. And look, if having a son go off to college doesn't make you feel old, having a coworker that was born in the late 90s will definitely do it. I was like, you don't even remember the theatrical release of The Lion King? She said, no, but we watched it on DVD. I'm like, wait, DVD? You didn't even have VHS? She's like, what's VHS? And I started crying. I started crying at the loss of my childhood, the loss of my youth. Tomorrow and tomorrow, lights our way toward dusty death. <sighs> anyway, so she doesn't even know what Qbert is. She doesn't have any idea who Alf is. It's, it's just tragic, just the loss of cultural knowledge. Anyway, I say all this because Claire was actually being born right as I was coming out of my college experience and becoming a Christian. For those of you who know, I didn't become a Christian until at the end of my college experience, uh, right at the end of my senior year. That's when... I became a follower of Jesus, and uh, of course, that 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 year was was really big, and there's lots going on. But I also realized that God had actually been trying to get my attention for a, a long time before that. Like I remember, uh, it was actually 27 years ago today. Uh, an album was released that had a dramatic and seismic impact, not just on music but American culture. It was the first time that a uh, a Christian band had an album that permeated into the general secular consciousness. So the ba- actually, that's not true. A couple of months earlier, a, a band called Jars of Clay had released a song called Flood, which gets a, got a ton of airplay on all sorts of college radio stations and alternative rock format radio stations. But if I can swim after 40 days in my mind is crushed by the crashing waves. For those of you who are young, a radio station used to be the way that people listened to music because it would beam information via a radio wave and people would pick it up by putting up an antenna on their car or in their home and listening to it via transistor radio. Yeah, yeah. I know I sound like I'm talking about the 1900s. And to be fair, I am. But back to the music. In 1995, in November of 1995, a band called DC Talk released an album called Jesus Freak, which again, permeated into the national conversation about music. Before this, and it's hard to understand this, Christian music 
didn't really exist. It, well, it did exist. It was just really, really, really terrible. And for the first time, there was a legitimately excellent rock album from a Christian band. And the reason I say this is because there was a song on that album. And I remember listening to the album just as a, a person who listened to music. I was a morning DJ for our college radio station, WGRE 91.5, Your Sound Alternative. Uh, and I remember listening to this album, and there was a song on it. And it was the title of the track was What If I Stumble? And it opened with a quote from an author by the name of Brennan Manning, who's a brilliant author, brilliant theologian, super influential, wrote a real famous book called Ragamuffin Gospel. If you know anything about J. Kim, he said this is the book that actually began to bring him back to Jesus. It was a super influential book for Jay and for myself, Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning. Anyway, the song opens up with this clip of Brendan Manning saying this about Christianity. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And even now, that is a really arresting thought. The idea is that for a Christian to not comply or not follow the words of Jesus or the teachings of Jesus does more than just damage their own life. It actually damages the world around them, their relational networks. It can actually damage their witness and the impact they can have in the world. And this is what Jesus, I think, is trying to say at the end of the Sermon on the Mount or the begin, one of the implications of the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, do not just listen to the words I just said, this long Sermon on the Mount, which we have spent the last 14 weeks delving into. Jesus says, don't just listen to these words. This isn't just information. You're supposed to do this stuff. You're supposed to live this out. And if you don't, well, there's a storm coming. Again, Jesus references a flood, like, right, biblical, back in the back in Genesis, right, the flood narrative, right? The, the, there's a flood coming, not jars of clay flood, but we're talking Genesis flood. And your house, if it's built on the wrong foundation, it will actually crumble. And it will crumble and fall down with a great crash. Jesus is not just saying these ideas of mine are just to be pontificated on or thought about. No, you have to be practitioners of these. You have to do these things. And uh, it's not just for our benefit, but it's for also for the benefit of the world. So with that, we're going to talk about that. I've got Jay Kim and Steve Clifford here to talk about the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the final podcast we're going to do about the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to dive in to Jesus's final words about building your house and how you build it and its implications. So with that, let's just dive right in. Hey Steve, we asked Jay this question last week. If if the afterward had a had a sponsor, who would you hope it were? Who's the dream sponsor for you? Any company? Do I get swag? Kind of? Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, you get the. Oh well, then it's probably somebody like Under Armour. Okay. Or no, you can go big like Harley. Or... No, you're wearing a Titleist hat. That's a golf oh, yeah. brand. I mean, yeah, I was You're thinking golf. golf stuff. Is that your favorite uh, golf brand? Titleist? No. What's your favorite golf brand, Steve? I hit Pings and oh. uh, TaylorMades. So, uh, but Titleist is my favorite. Well, second favorite ball. I like TaylorMade balls. Welcome to the Afterward Podcast, sponsored by TaylorMade. <laughs> I don't know anything about golf, but it sounds like it's made by Taylor. And Taylor's excellent at creating I mean, golf. Free, free clubs every year sounds pretty good. But you know what? A Harley also, if you're going to go that way, then I'd say Tesla. Oh, yeah. oh. 
to you by Tesla. Why, oh, why, why Tesla? You just like their cars? Because uh, then we could say, okay, if you, when you go on staff here, the first thing you get is oh. an office and then a Tesla. <laughs> That's a recruiting Shut tool. Shut up. That'd be, that'd be pretty insane. You think Tesla is, a, uh, Tesla is a recruiting tool? All right. Well, I, it influenced me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. All right. Well, we, we're now at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, guys. It, congratulations. We made it. It we only took it. 13 weeks. 13 or 14. What was it? I, I, think I it's don't 14. know. I think it's was 14. it 14? Yeah, I think it's 14. Uh, last week was 13. This, this yeah. is the final week, though. We're not doing any more on the Sermon on the Mount, right? This is it. We did it. Yeah, we did it. So this, let, let's just quickly, I'm going to quickly sum up, because, Jay, you put this in your notes, and I love this. Uh, here's a list of things that Jesus doesn't just say that we should do, but intimates that is part of what it means to live in the kingdom. All right. And and the reason I'm going to bring this up is because it gets to the point uh, that these are all things that we have to do. These are not just paradigms or frameworks, which they are. They mm-hmm. are new paradigms and they are new frameworks, but they're things that we got to do. Let your light shine before others by your good deeds. Fight anger, fight lust, keep your promises, love your enemies, quietly give to those in need, store up Heavenly treasures, not earthly ones. Don't worry about tomorrow. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Trust God today. Don't judge. Now, I looked at these. I think two of them are private or interior. The rest of them are social. (laughs) They have Mm. to do with our interactions with other human beings, right? Mm. So just as we come to this, Jesus says, basically, um, don't just hear. Don't just think. Don't just, right? You got to do. Yeah. And that is, that's sobering. So I grew up in the Midwest and my wife did too. She grew up in Michigan. I grew up in Ohio. And one of the things she says all the time is church never extended beyond the front doors of the church. It never made mm. any impact in any way, in any aspect of her home on any other day. It was an hour. You went, you came, nothing changed. Your behavior didn't change afterwards. Nothing changed any, anywhere. And she's like, that's the worst form of whatever religion is. It's mm. she, she just has no patience for it. It yeah. has... And I think that's what Jesus is trying to get us to see, that that's not what he's after. So talk about just kind of how you think about the idea of do, because one of the things that's hard about this is people are like, so you're saying it's just a bunch of to-do lists? Like there's a performative aspect of it in order to gain God's favor? So people can get off on this. So talk through that, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. When I first became a Christian, I I remember the argument, um, and one of the big debates was Paul versus James. And there seemed to be like this contradiction that Paul is saying, by grace you've been saved through faith and not a result of works. And James saying, you know, if you hear, if you hear his commands and you don't do them, you didn't hear it. You know, and so and it sounded like, wait a minute, you're saved by grace, but then you got to work to keep it. And um, you shouldn't say it. If, if that's true, if you think James is teaching that, well, Jesus is certainly teaching that. There is there is a cause effect relationship, but it is not to get or gain or earn. Mm. It's because of what's been freely given, and so it's a response. It it is a response, right, um, to the indwelling of the work of God in your your life, manifested through the Spirit of God and 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 the reality of the cross. I mean, it's just so and. It's not, I remember one seminary professor, and it's interesting that I remember that because I hardly ever remember anything this long ago, but he, he would say there's a difference between you must and you will. Hmm. 
and works says you must. Oh, interesting. And grace says you will. I mean, the reality of God's love. Now, it may take you a long while to get there, but um, if you truly do understand it, then uh, you will um, change how you act. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to remember Jesus is juxtaposing a wise person and a foolish person here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not just uh, sort of bl- black and white. Um, I mean, it is black and white, but but it's more than just uh, do this stuff or else. You, you know, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's saying... He's he's tugging on heartstrings in, in in a weird way, in that like every person wants to live a wise life, even if you don't know what a wise life looks like or what that means, you know. And he takes it further and he says it's like the wise person who builds uh, on solid ground or solid rock versus the fool who builds on sand. And then he takes it further and says the rains come and the storm and the wind. And the house, which is your life, comes tumbling down. So it's for our own good. You know, it's it's not like this uh, legalistic do these things or else, but it's more um, everybody wants to know that when the storms of life come, their life will be able to withstand the storm. And the way to do that is to is to continuously, when the storms aren't there, do the things that Jesus has taught in these three chapters, you know? It is interesting he's appealing to self-interest. Storms are coming, and there's two ways to build, right? There is a little bit of that that Jesus is saying, this is for your own good, right? Yeah, and I think it is. I mean, I I think it's... it's, not the only reason, of course. Yeah, I mean, I I think we have a tendency to compartmentalize that way and say, well, okay, is this for me? Is it like a weird selfish motive, or is it me sort of sacrificially laying my life down for the sake of the way of Jesus or whatever, the sake of others. And I think the answer to that, that the, all those questions is yes, they're all sort of interconnected, you know, it's for our good, but our good by its nature sort of leads to the good of others and God's glory. So that that's the part that's been helpful for me. This isn't just some sort of, you know, it's not, it's not a set of legal regulations. Like if I don't do this, then I'm in trouble. It's like, no, no, no. To do this is to live the good life. This is the path to building my life on a foundation that's steady and sure. Um, so that when the storms come, my life can withstand those storms. Yeah. One of the things that's, um, this is tied to the verses right before it where he says there's a wide path. Many take that one. And there's a narrow path. So Jesus seems to say that the number of people who are going to build on stone on this foundation is actually a religious minority. It's it's going to be a small number. Yeah. And Steve, you talk a lot about like um, the gap between knowing and doing, you know, between what we know in our heads and what we actually do. And the, the, people come to you all the time and they have for years frustrated at the way their lives are going. They're not. Uh, um, you talk a little bit about need to know, need to grow. Like what is it that um, if it's about change, what is it about humans that that make us it make change so difficult well, like why don't we do this stuff i mean it's it's, well, it's because not just- it's it's counter to the the flesh that we have and the habits that we develop and this and the earth that we live in i mean it, it's it's upstream and, and right and so it's not the it's not the things that 
It's not easy. It's not. It's not the easy road. And and even the two houses, if we think about this, I mean, they both wanted the both builders of the houses, the one that stood and the one that fell, wanted their houses to last. Mm-hmm. But there was somewhere in there where there was there was a a shortcut promised that that somebody took that it just was easier not to build on the on the bedrock because you had to dig down to it. And to dig down to it was just work. And so why not just put it on top? And for years, possibly. It was fine. Those two houses look yeah. equally great. Yeah. You know, and, and so so there's a cause-effect relationship with this. So it, it, apply this to my life now, or it's hypothetically, I graduate from college, and I've taken shortcuts all along the way. It, by that I mean, in particular, I've cheated, I've shortcutted, I've, I've let others do the work. I've taken shortcuts all the way, and I've established a pattern in my life that means I'm, that's how I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna react in the future. I mean, the the best indication of what's tomorrow is what you did yesterday, right? You, there are habits in your life that kind of demonstrate your character. So you begin to do that, and you you're only twenty something, but all of a sudden you find yourself in a really good job, and things are going really well, and you meet a good woman, and you marry her, and you have healthy kids, and everything seems to go just fine. And then it doesn't. Well, that, that, that gap may take decades. You know, there's not, a, there's not an immediate cause and effect relationship with living the blessed, Jesus-centered life and not. And so because of that, you can basically get away with it. And so you think you're getting away with it until, until the, the storm, rain until comes. Until the storm comes, yeah. And then you realize, oh, no. And, and this, is, this has been some of the most heartbreaking situations I've found myself in in ministry, is people, not people who are outside of the church and suddenly have a storm. That's not the people that have been the most heartbreaking. It's people that are inside the church, but they have no foundation. Mm. In other words, they go through the motion. They still take, they take the shortcuts they take in life. They take them with their faith, too. They mm-hmm. never read their Bible. They're never in community. They attend re- regularly as in four or five or six times a year they acknowledge the existence of god and possibly even acknowledge the atoning work of christ but there's no there's no substance to it yeah and that and when the storm comes i will tell you i've been in the room with families that have lost loved ones and and it's interesting in in matthew it says and it and the and the crash was a great crash a me- literally a mega crash. Mm. And I will tell you, I have sat in those rooms and I have seen that, and it, it is devastating. Mm. And Jesus is not saying, I want you to do things because I'm a tyrant. He's saying, I don't want you to be susceptible. That storms will come. Both houses suffer the storm. Right, right. There's, it's going to come. He doesn't say come. if a storm no. will come. There's no when. if here. It's a when. It's a when. And it's he wants us to be... He wants us to be able to stand in those storms. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think about this, if his, when, when, when a good, loving Savior says, I want this for you. I, I, I want this. This is not only the blessed life where you will have a good life, your relationships will be strong since you don't lie to them and steal from them and do all that. And you're, you'll, there'll be meaning in your life that's centered, not just centered around you, but when the storms come, and they will, you'll, your foundation in me will, will hold you up. Mm. 
and I can, you know, I can speak personally to that. It, I didn't know that it, it felt like the foundations cracked, but in reality, um, it, it just needed a little time to reveal that the foundation was strong. Hmm. Hmm. Rocked, but not fallen. Yeah, I was, I was all wet and maybe a few shingles got blown off the roof, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Jay, let's talk about this. One of the things that, um, you've talked about this before in various settings, but psychologist and sociologist, Jonathan Haidt, who is H-A-I-D-T, he's just brilliant. He's written a lot about just this idea of, he's written a lot about a lot, but one of the things that he talks, <laughs> he's really, really smart. I encourage you to read him. One of the things, uh, and this was in a, in a book that I actually encountered by Chip and Dan Heath. It was about change. Yeah. And he talks about an elephant and a writer, that humans are elephants and writers. We have, so it, it basically, and I guess I could paraphrase it or you could, I don't know who's, who's better at trying to explain it. But the idea is that, um, that every human is like an elephant who has a writer. Now the yeah. writer's up top and he can see better and he's got the reins, but he's very small. And that represents kind of our rational minds. And then underneath it is this big, bulky, big elephant. Yeah. And if there's going to be a fight, guess who's going to win? It's the elephant. The elephant... Uh, so here's what they write, uh, Chip and Dan Heath, in their book about change. Perched atop the elephant, the writer holds the reins and seems to be the leader. But the writer's control is precarious because the writer is so small relative to the elephant. Anytime a 6'10 elephant and the writer disagree about which direction to go, the writer is going to lose. He's completely overmatched. The idea, I think, that what why this strikes me, and this is a little bit of psychology, but I wonder how you, how you process this. We think that if we just analyze the right data and then think our way through it, then we'll change. And that's just doesn't that doesn't seem to work. That it's more about seeing what's actually there, feeling it, and then changing out of it. How would you talk about change? When, if somebody said, "Jay, I really want to change. I want to live this, but I haven't had much success, and this is really difficult." Like, how do you think about the elephant and the writer yeah. in terms of change and and following what Jesus is asking us to do? Right. Or or do you not think about it that way? No, I think I think I do. It's a really good question. I mean, it's there's there's a lot there, you know, you just, you talked about a lot. So yeah, I mean, there's entire books written about it. And so it's hard for me to sort of succinctly summarize, I guess the main thing I would say, going back to the text, I think there's a reason why Jesus is making the final point. The concluding remarks of this epic sermon is, you know, that Greek word poieo, which is like, do, do like do this stuff. Uh, you know, I don't think he's being, um, I don't think he's like putt putting to the end of his sermon where he's like he didn't know how to land it. He's like, <laughs> you know, so just go do this stuff. I don't think that's what's happening. I think he knew very well that he would teach sort of all of this stuff and then at the end that he would land the plane essentially by saying, Okay, I just said I just presented you all sorts of beautiful ideas. None of it really matters unless you do this stuff. Right? This is not about knowing it's about doing. So uh, going back to your question, it, it so sounds overly simplistic, but I, I don't think it is. I, I do think it's about doing. I, I think the way you can train your rider to um, adequately control uh, and leverage the elephant is to do. It's practice, you know? I mean, literally, my, my wife has been to Thailand, and she's, like, been on an elephant. Whoa. Like, these are, like, trained elephants and stuff. But it's because the elephant has been trained by many riders who, like, 
reined them in essentially. Also, yes. elephants are pretty gentle unless you like rile them up or something. Sure, sure. But they're so big and they're hard they're to control. They're very big, yeah. hard to control. So to yeah. turn them and stuff, it's like really, it's fascinating how it works. It's like you're not exert. There's no way for the rider to exert energy or strength to control the elephant. You can't. You can't control the elephant on the elephant's terms because it's a six-ton elephant. You don't have nearly the strength. So there are other ways, and they're very nuanced and these, like, minute little tricks of the trade of riding an elephant. And I think that's what it is. You have to practice those things. So it, it goes back to what Steve said and what Jesus is saying here. It's like you practice these things, you do these things, you act on these things before the storms come. When when it's sunny outside, you just do it over and over again. You live your life this way so that then when the storm comes, you have acclimated yourself in a in a holistic way, you know, heart, mind, body, soul um, to living this way. And that that's how you withstand the storms of life. So, yeah, it, it sounds overly simplistic, but I think I think that's just what it is. You know, like we, we talk a lot about um, Jamie Smith's book. You are what you love here. I think we've talked about it on the podcast. Different teachers have quoted him. And his whole con the whole idea that he presents is, to your point earlier, it's not your ideas or your thoughts that move you in any particular direction in your life. It's actually your desires. Mm -hmm. It's like you can think one thing, but, you know, this is why on January 1st or January 2nd, the gyms are going to be jam-packed, but then by Easter they'll be empty. It's because, like, in our minds, we're like, okay, I'm going to, this is the year, I'm going to lose a bunch of weight and get in shape. And you want that, and you have a plan for it. You have all the knowledge you need, but your desires are going to overtake you. By Easter, you're like, ah, I, I know that's what I should do. Easter? But my <laughs> February, by the, by the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> by fe you know, so I think practicing doing is is the way in which you sort of even reorient your desires over time. Um, so that, yeah, I think that's why Jesus is talking about doing this stuff consistently. You know, yeah. I think what and I'm going to tie to this. And I have a question for you, Steve. Um, the writer, it, it, one of the ways that he talks about it, that's the reason that rational, one of the questions to ask yourself is what do I really want? What do I want my life to be like? Steve, I learned this from you because you have a journal. Um, and in the front, actually you have many, many, many journals <laughs> and, uh, and in the front of that journal, you write, what do I really want? And, and you've done that now for it feels like decades, but it could I could be wrong. It's, yeah, it's been decades, but um, I would say I'm not sure that I understand the elephant and the rider and all those kinds of things. But I would I would also I would caution us to say it's not about what you think because I think I think transformation actually begins with your thoughts, which transforms your desires, and those des desires you act upon and do. And if, the short, if it gets short-circuited, you either thought about it incorrectly or you didn't really believe it at all. Right. So, so I think Jesus lands on the do part here at the end because he's told us a lot that we should think correctly on. He's reframing. We're at the yeah. end of this sermon, yeah, yeah. and he's saying, if you heard these words, if you heard these words and you don't do them, you didn't hear them. Ah, yes. Right? You, mm -hmm. you, didn't, you didn't understand them. You didn't think correctly about the blessed life I'm trying to talk to you about. So transformation, in Romans 12 says, transformation begins with our mind. Yeah. So I think there is a thought process in that. And, but if you, say you, if you say you believe something, if you say you think something that's really important to you, um, like I have, uh, let me just example. People come into my office 
and they want to know why Christianity isn't working for them. And so I will say, I will first begin with an explanation of kind of an easy, 1 Corinthians 15, What do you believe this? Do you believe Jesus Christ came and lived on the earth, died on the cross yeah. for sin and rose the third day? And have you placed your faith and hope in that work on the cross for payment of your sins? And just making sure that they understand. And they'll affirm that. They will affirm that. And then I will say, okay, and, 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 and they will affirm, yeah, this ought to work. I, I'm a follower. And then I will just ask a couple of things, like, what are they doing? You know, what, what exactly are you doing with that? Do you pray? Like, ever, except for when you're in trouble? Right. Do you, have you read the scripture? What would you say, um, the percentage of the scriptures that you've read? Um, what would you are you in community of people that are trying to follow after Jesus too? I mean, and it's no, 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 no. It, it, and, and so at some point, you're not really building your life on foundations. No, it, it, the foundation is built because we do. We, we practice what we say we believe and that what our hearts actually say it, that we believe. And so I think that I, I don't I don't know how. Yeah, I, I think that uh, change comes because when we begin to think correctly and then act on those thoughts because we want that change to happen. That's our desire. Yeah. And and right. And yeah. and if, it, if you don't act, it wasn't really a desire. It's like me saying, I wish I played piano. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't wish I played piano because if I did, I would. Yeah, you already would. I kind of want it. I think it'd be cool every once in a while to sit down in the lobby of a hotel and play like Mark Averill. I <laughs> sure. think that's cool. Right, yeah. Um, but I don't really w- wish it. I don't really want it because it's available to me. It's a hard thing to say, how does one trans have their desires transformed? Because if that's really what makes the elephant and the writer go in the right places, the desires are correct, right? That your desires are properly aligned or that the lies that you've been living in are dismantled and you're living in like is there any like is it just hey reflect on the sermon on the mount more is it read these until it sinks in what i mean what advice would you give for the transformation i mean it seems like that's a supernatural divine work yeah it's like god would you transform my desires i'm messed up right it seems like that's got to start there because we're not we're, we're broken right we have disordered desires we believe lies we live in lies we inhabit lies those play to disordered desires. Those disordered desires take us off on the broad road, not the narrow one, right? Like, these are all things that are happening. Jay has a great book um, on the fruit of the Spirit, and he centers it around, and I don't just say that because Jay's on the podcast. I, <laughs> I just think it was it, it was an excellent book. And um, he, centers, he centers around these teachings of these habits of, of the fruit of the spirit. So there are things that you do, right? But they're, they're backed by, um, desires that you want. And they're the desires of contentment, which basically says, I'm not going to make it all about consumption. I'm going to, I'm going to live in such a way where I, I control some of those desires to consume and I'm going to share some of what I get. Um, and then resilience, I'm going to stay at it even though it's hard because it's not hard to share your toys. I mean, it's hard to share your toys. It's, it's hard to share your stuff. Yeah. So, but I'm going to have resilience and the hope that this is actually going to make a difference. And then the, the wisdom comes when you practice the spiritual disciplines that Jesus did and that are commanded, you know, modeled for us in the scriptures. 
and you and you just simply you look for the opportunities for repentance and humility to grow. And if if that if those two are growing, you're becoming wise. And if you're not growing in those two, you're not becoming wise. You're becoming foolish. And it's that it's so it's not this is let's don't make it out harder than it really is. Um, and yet it's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's why resilience is one of the three. Um, you know, you'd think, oh, no, love's got to be in there somewhere. No, <laughs> really, resilience is you, you've got to then have the wisdom to love. And so you got to stay at that. And so I, I think that's why if we could just say we ask ourselves, do we really believe this? And if we do, then are we acting on it? Um, that that would I think that's why Jesus closed it the way he did. Yeah, mm. agreed. That's really good. Final question. Um, hold on, I just had it. Oh, it was a really good one too. <laughs> I have no idea where did it go. <laughs> well, here's here's something to say that it came out of this. One of the one of I've had the chance to sit with this passage for a little bit, and then I then I preach it to folks who only get to sit with it for thirty minutes, right? And, and so, it's a great gift. It's a great gift that that Jay and the elders extend to me to allow me to do this and to allow you to do that. And um, at the end of this thing, when it's all said and done, there's a commentary on the on the sermon. You know, you and I get all three of us get comments, emails, commentaries on how well we did or how poorly we did. And there's one on there. There's one at the end of this section. And it says that they were amazed. Mm. And the word there's really cool. It's basically thunderstruck. Mm. They were knocked down by it. Mm. A, a compound word that means to strike. Right? It's it, it's just it's it's a and so after 14 weeks, our overall impression should be, wow, Jesus is the greatest teacher ever. Mm-hmm. He's just the freaking just best teacher ever. Yeah. He's not just a moral man. He's not just the, he, of course, he, he's a genius. Yeah. And right, and, is, and the privilege of being able to sit with this for a while has just struck me that, and the, it's got this beautiful balance of simple to understand and really hard to do. Mm. but a promise that he'll help us. Yeah. And that, that, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any final thoughts as we close the sermon on the Mount, Jay? Yeah. I mean, I'm really curious what your brilliant question is. You know, is. I can't yeah. remember. That's it's gone. It's, it's, it's just, it, it, it's probably secondary. Um, <laughs> you know, I think one of the things that is hard is, is like, why doesn't, why doesn't this happen more? Like if, why doesn't formation happen more quickly? Why doesn't, why, why, why are there Christians who don't like who uh, read this stuff and then walk away and then don't do it. Okay, more importantly, think, why I, do I? <laughs> I think it snuck in right there. Why didn't it happen more quickly? Why didn't transformation happen more quickly? Because it never does. Mm-hmm. It, it's never a quick thing. Yeah. Right? We're looking for the microwave, and because it doesn't come quick, we think it's not coming. It's coming. Yeah. You're changing. Well, it, unless it's, you're not. No, no, no. I mean, because you just said if people walk in their office and they and they don't. After yeah, but I'm, I'm saying if you're genuinely in involved on a regular basis of surrendering your will to Christ and inviting his will to come and not your own to dominate the thing. You are changing. Yes. 
you are changing. Yes. Now, it, maybe not dramatically, and no. it's still. Yeah. It's it's, it, but it's slow going, man. It's yeah. slow. It's slow. I mean, I would I would take it further and say everybody's changing. Everybody's being formed into yeah. something. Good point. There is not a life is like, you know, an escalator. <laughs> you could stand still, but you are moving. Like life is moving you in a direction. The only choice we have is toward what our intentionality. Yeah toward okay i don't want to change and be formed into that or into this therefore i'm gonna have to hop mm. off this escalator make some effort yeah. and hop on a different escalator or you know yeah. in the midst of life's challenges it's almost like the escalator is going down but you're trying to move up so what do you have to do in that case you just gotta like keep you can't let up and that sounds exhausting and so there is the juxtaposition, like later in the Matthew series, we'll get to when Jesus says, like, hey, you know, my burden's light, you guys. The yoke is easy, you know? And and those two, these, they're not in competition with one another. We'll get to that when we get to that part of the text. But um, it, it does require intentionality for sure, you know? So I, I, I just I want to make sure people don't feel, like, let off the hook. Like, ah, I'll just kind of chill and... God will Be do it. Be idle, yeah. and either God will do it, or at least I got my golden ticket to heaven, so I'm good. I don't need this high bar of the Sermon on the Mount. Well, I would say if you live that way, something else is forming you. <laughs> Whether you know it or not, you're yeah. being formed into something, and uh, there, there's no choice in that matter. So that's why I think Jesus' invitation is so poignant, because, again, going back to the metaphor, the imagery— the storms of life are going to come in your house. If you're not being formed into a particular, in a particular direction, if you're not building your life in a particular way, when that storm comes, you are susceptible to everything sort of crumbling. And you know, this is not like fear mongering or anything. It's just real. It's really on the the other. It's reality. Trying to be honest. Jesus is not threatening us. He's warning us. Right. Right. Out of love. Out of love. Right. I I get great encouragement from second Peter chapter one. Um, where it says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to... So make every effort. It's hard. Right, yeah. right. But to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection love. Okay, so that's a lot of stuff. But he says this, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, and it didn't say like leaps and bounds. Right. It didn't say like yeah. 10% a year. It just says, are you, in, are you just, a, did you take three step forward and then take two steps back or even two and a three quarters steps back? Yeah. You're still increasing in the measure. If you have them, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord. Mm. You, you, That's a great word. You will you really will good. Yeah. be changed that's great. if you just stay at it. Man, yeah, that's great. That's good. good word. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for your... Uh, uh, wow, I can't believe we're done. Now we're going into Christmas. On the Mount. We're Christmas. going into Christmas, and then yeah. we're going to go back into Matthew in uh, in the new year. Yeah, baby. Yeah, after a little after a little series. Yeah, there's a little mini-series about... You know, back to Matthew. Oof. Good exciting. times. Good times. Matthew chapter... Well, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, and do, to you. Do you guys have a, a favorite Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving food? Stuffing. Yeah. I'm a big stuffing Yeah. Guy. What about you, Steve? Uh, Is yeah. there something Texan that you do for Thanksgiving no. that's uniquely Texan, oh. I wonder? No. No. What? Okay. No, but I do like stuffing, especially if it's like it's got 
spices in it. Yes. I don't like bread, that bread bland yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I get. I know what you're talking about. You know what about. I'm saying? Yeah, a lot of real savory. I, real savory stuff. Yeah. And there's like sausages in it yeah. and jalapenos yeah, it. and onions. Jalapenos in your, uh, that's, I'm from yeah, Ohio. Man. We don't do jalapenos in our stuffing. Oh, it's the best, man. <laughs> With gravy. Oh, yeah. Mm. all about the gravy. Mm-hmm. I mean, my Thanksgiving plate, it looks kind of gross because I will put gravy on everything. On the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And the whole thing. no cranberries. No. Oh, no. You're anti cranberry. I'm kind of into the cranberries on the turkey. I used to not be, but I'm kind of into it. I get it. It's now. a new thing. Really? It's yeah. a new thing. I get it now. There was a sandwich my friend once introduced me to. It was a, a, a slices of sourdough, stuffing, turkey, and then uh, cranberry sauce. Yeah, I'd eat that. <laughs> So, it's awesome. so good. Yeah, I'd eat, I would. Okay, eat that. I got a. You're not a cranberry. Caveat: <laughs> I don't cranberry on the white meat on yes on yes. like turkey breast. Never on the dark meat. Uh, oh, yeah, because the dark meat already has flavor. Yeah, it's already. Who would have yeah. ever thought you were so particular? Oh, it's a big. Do deal, you have man. Do you have a thought on dessert? Is there a dessert? Yes. Which is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have a favorite? Is there something you guys have, uh, do for Thanksgiving? A pecan pie. Pecan. Oh, yeah. oh wow. That's yeah. basically you need an insulin shot afterwards. Pecan trumps pumpkin pie. Yes, it I think, does. A hundred times. hundred times. Yeah. It's so sweet. I mean, though. I'll eat so, pumpkin, but. I'm not big into pumpkin pie. Me neither, but yeah. I will. If that's all there is, I, I'll have a dessert. Yeah. But I will eat the entire pe- Costco pumpkin, pumpkin pie. pie. For sure. Really? I freaking, lo- pumpkin I freaking love it. Oh, it's like it unbelievable. I, I don't I know feel what. I like it's sacrilegious, but I don't like pumpkin anything. Yeah. Sure. No, I get it. I understand too. what you're saying. I just, I'll take yours. I'll take your <laughs> Yeah, slices. you can have mine. And Jay and my I, wife, Jay my and wife and daughter, my wife and daughter are like, we do not like pumpkin pie. They want the apple. Oh, yeah. Uh, apple yeah. pie. Yes. And and even JL, he's Here's like, I a weird thing yeah. for me. <laughs> I will say, I will leverage the space for the sweets and I'll just eat more. Of the savory, like I will. Oh yeah, I will not That's eat fair. dessert just to eat more. Yeah, so yeah. I, I will tell you that the the, the, I'm inter- excited now. the interesting I'm thing is the my favorite part about Thanksgiving meal is the pre meal, which is chips and this oh, yeah. sauce, oh, this sure. cheese like dip, dip that my uh, wife yes. makes. It's got cheese. It's cheese and sausage. What yes. kind of chips? And, like tortilla? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. And um. So that's a basically breakfast. Hot sauce that's in like it a breakfast. Too. Oh yeah, we start eating that about <laughs> ten o'clock in the morning. Because like the well, there's football on. We right? eat that first game. We, yeah, yeah, we first start game. eating that the first game. Cowboys are playing. That's what the we Hobbits call first on. breakfast. That's cool. <laughs> first breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That oh. sounds awesome. Well, uh, it is great. Here's to overindulging, and we'll see you guys back. Here's to Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. Here's to Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We have much to be thankful for. Oh yes, and I'm thankful for you guys. And us, you. Oh okay. Well, have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you next week. Yep. Bye. Just want to say thanks to Jay Kim and Steve Clifford for stopping by. Guys, always great to talk to you. And to all of you listening out there, a very happy Thanksgiving to you. May be filled with warmth and love and tons of Costco pumpkin pie. Unless you don't like pumpkin pie, in which case, just save it for me. Uh, Also a reminder, next week's Afterword might be delayed a little bit simply because of the holiday. We'll probably put it up instead of posting it on Sunday. We'll probably post it early in the week. So just uh, have patience with us. And thanks for listening and have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you all next week as we start our Advent series, Prepare Him Room, as we start preparing our hearts for Christmas. Yep, it's already here. So feel free to go ahead and play that Mariah Carey all you want. Just just turn up the Michael Blue Blake Christmas album and have a great holiday. We'll talk to you next week.